Amen. I can still move a little bit. <laughs> Amen. Good, good to be with you today. Give honor to the spirit of Christ that's in this place and uh, to our Bishop Brian Green and our Lady Common Green, tremendous pastors, tremendous pastor, two pastors. So would you give a, just an honoring God praise just for your pastor and bishop. First Lady. Hallelujah. And uh, to, to my lovely wife, the Reverend Dr. Virginia Ward is with me. And so it's good to have her. Amen. And we give honor to the, to the Spirit of Christ, as I said, and also to the elders and all the members and friends and guests of PTSC all. Also, my ALC families and my leaders came over after church, so I want to recognize them. Would you stand up, ALC folks? You hear ALC folks? Good for you. All right, there they go. There they go. Thank, thank you for coming over and supporting and being in worship for us today. Amen. Uh, Bishop Brian and I have been friends for, for quite a while, and as, as he said, that we we're actually friends because we're generational, and his brother Kevin as well, we're generational. And um, I remember a uh, time when we were uh, going up to a place in Peabody, and at the time he had a black Subaru, so he said, uh, I, I want you to come with me um, to a place up in Peabody. It's called CBD. CBD. So, so we get up to CBD, and it's had this really just huge warehouse. He said, you're going to have to bring a, a suitcase. Now, now, let me just tell you what CBD is, because so you won't. So <laughs> I, I, you know, as, G as Jesus said, I heard your thoughts. <laughs> CBD stands for Christian Book Distributors. Ah, Christian book distributors. And, and during that time, we'd go up and we'd just buy, we'd buy books and carry suitcases of books out. And uh, that was a time where he actually taught me how to read a Strong's Concordance, and which was very important because it actually gave me a real um, kind of understanding of how important it is to really study scripture. So. Uh, when it comes to education and comes to a lot of things that's in me, I want to thank Bishop Brian Green for really introducing me to such a blessing of ministry and also pouring into me even as I was a younger Christian than he was. So I want to thank you, Bishop. Thank you so much. Well, time for the word of God. Amen. Are you ready for a word? Yeah. Amen. This is called the Emotional Healthy church conference, right? So we're going to go to John chapter 15, and I'm going to go to John chapter 15. You might have a Bible, may, and if you don't, sure, it's on the screens as well, and we're going to, would you mind standing for the reading of the word of God, and we're just going to honor his presence that's here this afternoon, amen? John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, did not read verse 16. It says, these words. It says, I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches, branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will or what you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in the name, in my name, he will give it you. Father, we thank you, Lord, just for the reading of your word. Thank you, Father, that it is ever settled in heaven. We pray. Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me. Thank you, Lord, for anointing me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me unction in the name of Jesus. Lord, we need a word from you. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak your word into our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to speak to you on the, the subject of called the abiding factor. Could you say it with me? The abiding factor. The abiding factor. One thing about abiding is, is all throughout this text. And how many of you have read this text before or you've heard it preached on before? For many of us have probably heard this text before. And the notion might be that, I mean, what could you possibly say even more about the, the a vine and branches and the vine dresser? Well, you got to understand that there's something very special about this text that will help us to grow and to understand what God is doing. So when it comes to emotional health and when it comes to health in general, when it comes to what God is doing, uh, this passage, I believe, connects and will help us to understand what God wants to do in our lives and why it is important that we be emotionally healthy. So when he talks about the abiding factor, you'll find that all throughout this, this, this passage, Jesus is hammering home a concept. It's called abiding. It's called being with. It's called staying at it. One of the things about our, our home that I, that, that I like about my wife particularly, my wife is, a, you know, she's, she has a green thumb. So while you may know as a youth leader or as a preacher, she has a green thumb. And every single year, she plants garden. Every, every single year. We have an above-ground garden. We have a, one in our backyard, one on the side of our house. And so she plants tomatoes, cucumbers, mint, and all types of different vegetables. 
Now, I also um, like gardening because I, you know, I like vegetables. But when I pick vegetables, I go to Star Market, I go to Market Basket, I go, I, this is where I pick my vegetables. I don't really do the, the gardening thing. But I find that when it comes to gardening, gardening is not like technology. Gardening is very laborsome. Gardening is very something that you really have to have discipline to do. Gardening is something that you just can't expect a harvest when you actually have done nothing to actually cultivate that harvest. And so this year has been a, was a year that it was especially dry. It was really, really dry this year, hot and dry this year. My brother-in-law also planted a garden, and he, were, he was getting into discussion with my wife about tomatoes. So my wife's tomatoes, you know, it really, it really did well this year. Not all of, them, all of them blossomed, but we had some good crop of tomatoes. And his tomatoes actually died. And so he said, well, what did you do with your tomatoes? What did, what, did, what did you do? How did you get what you got out of your garden? And I had the same seeds. I had the same thing. I, I thought I was doing the same thing you were doing, but I got a different result. And so she started to question him. She said, well, did you water them every day? And he had to think. He said, well, I watered them. Yeah, I missed a few days here and there, a few days. Well, did you did you do some pruning and did you do some did you put up the trellis so the, the trellis or some type of stick so you can hold them up? Well, you know, I didn't do exactly all of that. And she said, Well, the problem is is that it's not just the seed that you planted. It's about you have to keep at it and you have to abide with it. You have to stay at it, you have to be steady. So your, your tomatoes didn't grow very well because you didn't water them every day. And even if you couldn't water them, somebody needed to water Every single day, somebody was watering those tomatoes even if we weren't watering them. Yes. Amen, Kenneth? Where are you in this area? She was our watering right there. We call him over. Could you water this garden? And it's important that you understand that this text is not just only to see it as uh, a vine vine dresser, and the branches. What happens in this text is very interesting because it falls in a discourse that Jesus is having with his disciples. To go back to this discourse that he's having and get a context, you have to go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is really focusing on when Jesus on Monday, Thursday, or Thursday night before his crucifixion. And so he's now about to head towards the cross. And the Bible says he sits down with his disciples and he sees them all at supper and he takes off his robe and he washes their feet. All 12 of his disciples are there. And as he's washing their feet, he's trying to teach them about service. How many know it's really about love and service that the church has to now understand and get committed to? Love and service. And so he's, he's, he's calling them to, to love and he's calling them to service and he's calling them to sacrifice. At the table, something pops up at the table. He makes a statement and says, you know, um, after I served all of you and Peter had, had just kind of voiced forth his dismay about God, the, the Lord washing his feet, and the Lord said, if I don't wash your feet, I can't, you know, I got, uh, you know what, what's going on? You can't really have a part of me. He says, uh, one of you are going to betray me. One of you are going to betray me. 
And everybody is shocked. So it's not like the paintings that you see, perhaps that you saw Last Supper paintings. Anybody have one of those Last Supper paintings that on your wall from the 19, I don't know whens? You can always tell who Judas is. He's the guy scowling. Judas is always easy to pick out. But the thing about it is, when they sat down, they didn't know who Jesus was talking about. In fact, Peter said, um, John, since you're sitting really close to Jesus and you're kind of leaning into him, ask him, who is it? Who, who is it? And so Jesus says, well, it's the person I'm going to pass this bread out to. When I give him communion, he's the one that's going to betray me. And it was that Judas was the betrayer. And the Bible says that Judas, when he was found out and when he was exposed, he got up from the table and left. He walked in tonight and basically he was setting up the whole scheme for which Jesus was going to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus then says, all right, guys, let's get up and go on from here. And as they're walking, he comes up and he starts talking about this passage where we find is about the vine and the branches. And he's talking to them about abiding. See, the thing about this abiding, this scripture, how does it fall in context? Because Judas was one who had a superficial walk with Christ. Do you understand that superficial walk with Christ? See, Judas was at when, when Jesus actually healed and Jesus actually fed multitudes of people, Judas was there. Judas went to services. Judas saw miracles. Judas worked on a team. Judas was the guy who's the treasurer. I, I believe that we need to understand that, you know, sometimes church can somehow become so, in a sense, where it just becomes kind of like a, a veneer of what really is going on down deeper within. We can hide in worship. We can hide in our work. We can hide. We can hide in a lot of different places until crisis exposes us. When crisis exposes us, it can be a very messy thing. Because here we, we're, we're worshiping God, we're praising God, and this is very important that we worship God, we praise God. But when it comes to our superficiality, we need to be careful that we don't walk off into the night and walk away from Jesus after we saw the miracles, after we saw healings, after we saw victories, after we saw people coming to Jesus and giving their lives to him. The reason I tell you this because I am, how should I say, I grew up in church all my life. And in fact, church was morning, noon, and night. Now we say talk about church, and some of you know, because I know some of you, some of you from growing up, that church was all day on Sunday. A amen. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you, got, you got that church where you went to Sunday school, 
you went to church, you went to somebody else's church, and then you went to somebody else's church. But in all that church that I was going to, I really didn't get saved until I was 18 years old. I played in bands. I've, I, I, I drove the church van. I did Sunday school. I knew the word, but I wasn't saved. I knew scripture, but I wasn't saved. My father was a was pastor. I knew, I, knew, I knew scripture. But it wasn't until I had a real encounter with God. Oh, hallelujah. And the encounter with God did not happen in church for me. The encounter with God happened in my bedroom on the third floor of 42 Interville Street in Dorchester. I gave my life to Christ in my bedroom. And the thing about it is that Jesus can show up and address our issues and address where we are outside of even church. The, pro the problem with Judas is that Judas was superficial. And Jesus was trying to get the 11 who was now talking to, he's saying, listen, you see what happened here? Crisis has revealed the superficiality. I believe what's happening even now, post-pandemic, problems that are happening, situations in our life are revealing some things that are just superficial. Judas walks away. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, abide in me. So what is the abiding factor? Let's talk about the abiding factor. The abiding factor is simply this. When you abide, you endure. You last. You are a person who continues for a very long time. It's important to know that, you know, when it comes to what God is doing, you just can't do it once in a while. You have to abide in it. You have to abide particularly in him. You have to be a person who's connected to him, to be in relationship with him. My wife and I, we have relationship, and that's why when we have two children, you can see the fruit of who we are in them. So if you looked at my oldest son, we look alike. I, I, I met I was fooling my daughter-in-law one time, and I said, here, honey, look at this picture. She go, oh, is that Paul when he's a little boy? I said, no, that's me. I said, that's me, because we look alike. And so when it comes to Christ, do you really look like him? Wow. When you look like the father, you know, when Jesus said these words, he said, look, uh, I'm going to tell you disciples. And when they asked the question, I believe it was Philip, he said, look, uh, tell, tell me, tell me, tell me, who's the father? He said, when you see me, you've seen the father. So when people look at me and they look at you, do they see the father? Do they see Jesus? Do they see the one we worship? Or do they see a veneer of it? Do they see somewhat of a resemblance, but it's not real? How many of you know that there's a lot of things that have names on it, but are not real? I remember we went to Africa, and we went to Africa, not Africa, I'm sorry, we went to Rome, we were in Italy. And as we we're walking around Rome, these guys came out with all these Prada bags and, 
and they came out with Louis Vuitton, and they came out with Gucci. My wife said, oh, you think I want a bag? I want a bag. And when she went over to look at the bag, she said, this is nothing but plastic. See, the question is, who are we underneath the surface? And so Jesus is addressing not what's at the top, but really at the bottom, at the core, the character of his disciples. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when it comes to a factor, what are the circumstances and what are the means by which Jesus is talking about this abiding? Well, Jesus kind of points out here that when it comes to these, this relationship with the Father, he puts it in an agricultural term. He starts to move into this agricultural understanding of how vines work and how branches bear fruit and, and how that. And so they understood something really important about growth. See, because really what it's about, ladies and gentlemen, because it, when Jesus started to talk about them, he says, I'm expecting you to bring forth fruit. Tell your neighbor right now, Jesus expects you to bring forth fruit. Oh, that was kind of weak. You just, you tell him again, Jesus expects us to bring forth fruit. The question is, what is the fruit of your life? Jesus is after fruit. Jesus is after something that really only he can also give us because we can't be fruitful on our own. So you don't have to strive to be fruitful. This is not like, oh man, let me just push everything that's in me to get fruit. That's not how you get fruit. You get fruit by abiding in him. So to understand this, there is a process. Tell your neighbor, uh-oh, you're going to talk about process. He's going to talk about process. To, you know something? There's no app for this. You can't push your app and go, whoop, fruit. This is something that has to grow in you. So he says that who's involved? Let's kind of look. Kind of Jesus is the true vine. God is the father is the vine dresser. And every believer is a branch. Every believer is a branch. Every believer is a branch. Can you say that I am a branch? Say I am a branch. I'm a branch, I'm a branch, I'm a branch. You know what? No matter what title you have, you are a branch. No matter how long you've been saved, you are a branch. You don't have to get upset with anybody else's victories or anything else because they're a branch and you're a branch. Everybody has potential to bear fruit. Everybody may not be able to sing. Everybody may not be able to play an instrument. Everybody may not be able to do certain things. But you know what? Everybody can bring forth fruit. Because we're the branches. And so some facts about the branches is that the fruit reflects the nature of the tree. So if you have an apple tree, you have what? Everybody, you have apples, right? Fruit is always visible. People can actually see it. People can actually see it. People actually see the results of Jesus in your life. The fruit producing. We'll talk more about the fruit particularly, specifically. But they can see it. But also fruit benefits someone else. A tree that bears fruit 
but doesn't know, that, that doesn't benefit anyone is no good. Fruit that rots on a tree is no good. Can people pick from you some fruit and also get some satisfaction out of you? In other words, what benefit do you bring? Uh-oh. What benefit do you bring to the people around you? As the bishop says, he commented, he says, you know, it is true that churches that are in community, and if it were to disappear and nobody knows it's appear, I think something's wrong with the fruit. The fruit is for someone. Some of us, we've been wondering, why did God call us to particular places, especially hard places? It's because he wants you to be fruitful so others can pick of your fruit. The reason why he gave you the knowledge is because he wants you to be able to distribute that knowledge to other people. So the question, how will you benefit? How will your gifts, your talents, your abilities benefit people around you? But Jesus wants us not only to have fruit, he talks about the quality of the fruit. Can you say quality fruit, quality? Quality and quality because every time as he mentions, Jesus says that he's doing something in our lives, not only to have fruit, but he wants to increase the level and the quality and the quantity of our fruitfulness. So it's not just to be fruitful, it's also have increasing measure. Can you just lift your hand and say, Lord, increase me, Lord, increase me, Lord, increase me, and Lord, increase me. We sometimes want increase. When it comes to money, oh, yes, I like to increase. Lord, Lord, I'd like an increase. Yes, yes, yes. If it's a possession that we want, Lord, I mean, do, do you ever ask, Lord, increase my fruitfulness? Please increase me in the characteristics of Jesus. So I want to show you a, a diagram, a quick diagram of a process. This process shows us a little bit how vines are pruned, how vines actually grow fruit, and branches, I should say, branches grow fruit. And so when we get this, this particular uh, passage of scripture, as we look at God's process, what is he actually doing? Well, here we go. Jesus says that when it comes to fruitfulness, he says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. Now, this word take away is not something that you take off. The word means to lift up. The word means to lift up. He lifts it up. When a verticulturist, when they look at the branches and how they bear grapes, sometimes branches can have a whole lot of grapes on it, and sometimes it can be an overabundance that will be detrimental to the branch. So what they do, they thin it out. So they even start cutting off some of the fruitfulness that's there or the fruit that's there because that fruit that's there, it's, uh, it needs to be repositioned. And so they will also lift it up so it can get sunlight. And when it comes to repositioning the fruit or, the, or repositioning these, these, uh, these branches, it gives them an opportunity to see 
that the fruit has greater potential if it doesn't have so much on the branch. So here's what I want to ask you a question. When it comes to your situation, and your situation is happening, maybe you're dealing with a very difficult child, a rebellious child. Has anybody ever been a rebellious child? You know you've been a rebellious child because you're rebelling right now. You won't lift your hand. You're rebelling. A rebellious child. Have you ever dealt with some real difficult people? Okay, I got an amen on that one. We're not the difficult people. Somebody else is the difficult people. Sometimes what God will do in seasons of your life, he will reposition things. And anyone, every one of us may not uh, really embrace change very well, but you can't bear any fruit unless you change. Oh, my. Change is threatening. Change can be nerve-wracking. Change can be a place where our emotions just kind of do all sorts of things. Is anybody here kind of a little bit frightened of change? Just a little bit. You don't like change very well. Change, you don't do very good change. And, you know, when somebody says change, you go, change what? <laughs> because change can be very fair. But you can't bear any fruit unless you allow God to change things in your life. Now, when it comes to this change, when it comes to this change, you have to be able to stick with God until the change happens. You got to stick it out when change. Sometimes we run from change. We hide from change. We are in our mood swings with change. I, I have, a, I have a, a sister between my oldest sister and, my, and, and me. And uh, we were actually going to do our dad's home over. We did some renovations. And I said to her, after, oh my gosh, after 20-something years, you're going to have to move. <laughs> and you're going to move downstairs. It's not like you're going to move everywhere. She said, Okay, where are you going to move? I said, just move downstairs. And she's not used to change. And so I said to her, I said, um, don't worry, we'll help you. We'll help you. And do you know trying to help people change? That will bring some emotions out of you. And we learned a lot about each other just working with change. I learned that I'm not as patient as I thought I was. I learned that I'm not as empathetic as I thought I was. I, I found out that sometimes my mood swings get the best of me. And uh, for her, she found out that, you know, she needed to kind of flex a little bit and learn how to adjust. But the summation of it is that she is so happy about the move, but she wasn't happy about the process. Some of you are not happy about God's process in your life. 
You're not happy that he's, that he's moving things around. You're not happy that he's actually, actually changing some things. You're not happy about it, but guess what? When you get to the end, you're going to say, oh, God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Because God is doing some things in your life now to bring forth fruit. So this is not about the devil. This is about what God is doing. Can you tell your neighbor, this is what God is doing. This is what God is doing. There's no devil in this scripture. There is no devil in this scripture, so start rebuking it. Go on now, start rebuking. In the name of Jesus, I tell you right now, the devil, you better skip back. And God said, it ain't the devil. I've been trying to get you to change. But God continues, if you look at this diagram, every situation is connected to a season. Every situation. God does not waste your situation or your seasons. God is always at work in your situation and your season. So he knows there's more, more in there that he can get. So what he does, he starts pruning. If you look at the diagrams, you see that over the three-year period, there, there's, a, there's a planting, there's a growth, but look at the third picture. It was like pruning. It's a cutting. It's a whittling down. And pruning can be very painful. Pruning means that there's some things that are just taken away. The reason why they prune it because there are shoots that come off the branch that if these shoots do not get cut or pruned, they will, they will suck the life out of the fruit. It, it means that it, it, these, these, these are what they call sucker shoots. And they sap the energy. They take away the life. They take away the potential of what the fruit could be. When it comes to God, God is one who doesn't ask your permission when he's going to prune. He, don't, he doesn't ask your permission. See, he's the vine dresser. So the vine dresser sees the situation and the season and says, okay, it's time to prune this, it's time to prune that. You have wondered why friends have walked out of your life. Oh, my God. I must be hitting something in this, in this place. You, you have wondered, Lord, why... Did all these people leave me? And God said, because they're sucking you dry. They're sucking you dry. Why you should be a they're sucking up all your time. Why you should be at the prayer meeting, they're sucking up all your time. Why you should be in my word, they're sucking up all your time. And so the Lord has to take those people out of your life. Some of you have experienced some horrendous, horrendous situations. Somebody dies. And you have grief and loss. That's all part of life. But God is also in grief and loss. He allows things to happen in our lives so that it will bring the fruitfulness out of it. You may not see what fruit could come out of it. But nonetheless, God will bring some things out of your life 
that can only happen through grief and loss. For me, grief and loss makes me more empathetic towards people. You know why? Because I'm a systems guy. I'm a guy who kind of looks at intellection. And I don't really feel all the time. Because it's not about feeling for me. And because of my nature, God has to allow things to happen in my life to make me more empathetic towards people. Sometimes he allows me to get hurt so I can understand hurt. Sometimes he has allowed me to get into this position where I have to apologize. Has anybody ever had to apologize? I know nobody in here has ever had to apologize. You've always did the right thing. It's important to understand that all of us are branches who God is still at work to bring forth fruit in our lives. Amen? So let me just say a couple of things about this, and I'm, then I'm going to just sum it up in a little bit of ways. First of all, when it comes to abiding in Christ and abiding in him, there are four benefits that you have. Number one, you have answered prayer. How many want your prayers answered? Anybody want to answer prayer? Anybody want to answer prayer? Answered prayer is a byproduct of staying with God, sticking to where God's bringing you through a process. He says, if you abide in me and my words and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Why? Because once you are, the word starts abiding in you, you're not going to be asking for things outside of what God wants you to have. You're not going to just ask for everything. You're just going to ask for things that God wants you to have. He said, if, you, if the word abides in you. So you have to do what? Get into the word of God. Somebody say, get into the word of God. These, this is your season to get into God's word. The second thing that when it comes to abiding in Christ, it glorifies the Father. It glorifies the Father. God is happy when we bring forth fruit. He's not always happy because just we came to church, but he's happy when we bear forth fruit. Also, he says that bringing forth fruit and abiding in him results in fullness of joy. That's an emotion. That's an emotion. Now let me wait, tell you what joy is. Joy is not happiness. You know why joy is not happiness? Because happiness is based on happenstance. You hit the lottery. I'm sorry, that's a bad, that's a bad one. Uh, you, 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 you <laughs> I forgot who I'm talking to. <laughs> You, 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 you have some happy things happen in your life, some good things happen in your life, and you're happy. A promotion. Daughter gets a scholarship. You get a man, the right one. So you get a right woman, a nice relationship. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I ain't going to tell you, put your hand, who's looking for somebody. I don't want to. If you want to look out for somebody, just look around. No, don't, don't look around. Look straight at me. Now, see, here's what I would tell you. Happiness is based on happenstance. Joy is not based on happenstance. Joy can happen even in the most miserable of times. 
Remember we sang, you know, rejoice in the Lord? Always and again, I say rejoice. If you read text on that, really, that the passage of scripture that gives us that song or the theme of that song is found in the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians, Paul is not in church. He's in jail. He is in jail. He's in jail for preaching the gospel. And he writes and says, rejoice in the Lord always and again, I say rejoice. Why? It's not built on my circumstance. I have an inner joy regardless of my circumstance. And so it is that when it comes to this fullness of joy, it's a byproduct. But I want to get to the end of this. Fruitfulness in abiding in Christ has to do with character. Can somebody say character, character, character? Do you know that God wants to do some things in our character? The nature of who we are. So what he has done, he has given us the Holy Spirit to help give us or aid in us bringing forth what we know as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, it's the characteristics of the Spirit. That the characteristics of the Spirit, that we know that when we see these characteristics, we know that the fruit of Christ or the manifestations of Christ are in operation. So often what happens, we emphasize the gifts of the Spirit, but not the fruit of the Spirit. How many know if you got the gifts of the Spirit and don't have the fruit of the Spirit, that makes a bad mix? I met some of the meanest people who are gifted beyond measure. <laughs> They're nasty, impatient, arrogant, honorary, demeaning, because they haven't nurtured the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe more than anything else that God is speaking to his church not only about the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. How many want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit? So when you go on your job and everybody's saying, this is a bad day, this is terrible, you walk in there and say, oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You walk in there with joy and say, you know what, today's going to be a really difficult day. I know we have changes going on, but I know what, I, I'm walking in the fruit of joy. So here's what we're going to do for a moment. I want to ask you a question. In the situations and the seasons that you're in, where God is calling you to abide in him, to really stay steady and without moving all around and not getting anxious, where is he pointing to or dealing with when it comes to the fruit of his spirit in your life? Well, you mean, what does that mean? I remember going through a very difficult situation at church. How many know that's not weird? <laughs> and, um, and let me just kind of just tell you this way. My wife and I went to a meeting, and um, I felt like I was set up. I was set up. Um, 
I went to the meeting thinking I was going to help somebody, but then the tables turned on me while being accused of something that I didn't do. So I sat, I sat down, and um, my wife sat next to me, and people were surrounding, and um, the accusation started to fly. And um, as they started to fly, I was getting madder. And um, I squeezed my wife's hand. I said, you know what? I'm out of here. And she said, no, 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 sit down and, sit down and listen. No, sit down, sit down and listen. Sit, sit, abide right here. You get the point? Sit down right here. Because something is, some, God is on moving right now. He's moving right now. And the more they talk, the matter I got. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, I want to say some things. And she said, you never, you, I've never heard you say a cuss word. And I said, well, in my mind, I'm going off right now. So I didn't say anything through the whole meeting. And I left the meeting, and um, I was emaciated. It, it was terrible. And uh, my wife said, how do you feel? And I said, well, um, maybe I should just do my resignation now or, and just be done with this, because this is just nonsense. And she said to me, you know, um, God is doing something in you, and there's something greater that's beyond this. And what I learned about the situation, I learned how impatient I was. I learned that I needed to have patience with people. I need, I need, you know, Jesus, when he had his disciples, you know why we don't disciple people? Because we don't have patience. When people make mistakes, we get angry with them. When the disciples were actually with Jesus, there was sometimes he went, oh my God, do you not get this? Come on, folks. That's all emotion. And I had to learn something about myself that the, it wasn't about them. It was about God. It was about God dealing with my fruit. It was about God dealing with my disposition. It was about God me forgiving my enemies and turning off some of the preaching that says, hate your enemies. Can you love your enemies? And I had to learn how to love people that didn't agree with me. See, nowadays, if you don't love the person, if people disagree with you, you fight. And maybe you don't fight them physically, you fight them on social media. See, what God is doing, he's saying, will you not stay with the process so I can bring forth fruit out of your life? Because there's no situation and there's no season that I'm wasting. I'd like you to stand at this time. I'm done.
I'd like you to stand at this time. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. And I get some musicians if you come and play, you can play. Good, God bless you, sir. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 23. And I want you to really pay close attention and listen. Paul says, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, I warn you that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want you, before you kind of pass that off, he's not talking to the world, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. But he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I believe that what God is doing in, in us He's really building characteristics of Christ through the Holy Spirit. However, the question is, will you stay with the process? So what I'm going to ask you to do right now, I'm going to open this altar just for prayer. Is that okay, Bishop, to open the altar for prayer? I'm going to open this altar for prayer. Because when we read these particular aspects or characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, where is he working in your life? What is he trying to bring forth in fruitfulness out of your life? For some of you, just like me, in some cases, you're short-tempered. You have a bad temper. Perhaps you have a you're in a place where you're dealing with a situation where you're frustrated, you're angry. Perhaps you're in a place where you just want to be ghost, you want to get out, you just don't want to do it anymore. You're saying, forget it, I, I'm done with this. Perhaps you're offended in some way. Somebody offended you. And you really don't know what to do with that. Where is God working in your life to bring forth the characteristics of the Spirit? So when I read this, I'm going to read this. And I'd like you to come to the altar. Maybe I'll hit something here that the Holy Spirit is resonating with you. And if this is you, I'm going to ask you to come and say, Lord, make the process. I'm going to stay with this. I'm going to abide until you work this out because there's much more fruit that you want to bring out of my life. And so the first one is love. The first one is love. Is God working on your love life? Is there some way that God wants to work on your love? I want you to come to the altar. He wants to work on your love. And not only do you want love, how much love do you give? Is he working in the area of your joy? The only time you're happy is when you get something. Is he working on your joy? 
Did he put you in a situation to work on your joy? If that's you, you need prayer for joy, you need prayer for love, I want you to come. I know you're here. You don't have to feel bad about it because God's working on my love too. He's still working on my love. If he's working on your joy, say, you know what? You don't always have to have it your way to be happy. God, I don't have to have everything right in order to be happy. I don't have to have everything my way in order to be joyful. How about peace? How about peace? Are you worried? Are you anxious? Jesus said, come unto me all that are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Do you need some peace? How about some patience? Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I want it fast and furious. How about some kindness? How about kindness? I need kindness in my life, especially when they cut me off in traffic. I need kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. I quit too easy, God. I quit too easy. I quit. I just quit too easy. I quit too easy. I need the fruit of faithfulness. Gentleness. And I'm here today to say I need self-control. I need self-control. I need self-control. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just talk to God about what area he is actually working in your life? You don't have to be ashamed of it because you know what? It's all about producing fruit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Working in the area of my patience, Lord. I am an impatient person. I want it now. I want it now. But God, you're working in me to wait on you, to wait for the seasons, to wait for the moment, to wait for the opportunity, Lord. Help me not to frustrate others in my waiting on you. Thank you, Father. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? God bless you as you're at this altar. God, God sees your heart. He sees what you're going through. He sees the season that you're in. And it's about fruitfulness. Lord, we just bless you today. Lift up your voice right now. Let's just lift up our voices in this house today. Just to lift up our voices and worship and bless his name for the fruitfulness that he's bringing in your life. He's going to bring something new, something fresh in your life. He's doing some new things. He's doing some tremendous things in your life. You may not see the fruit of it right now altogether, that, but God is actually working. Even at this altar, he's working, he's working, he's working, he's working, he's working, he's working, he's working. Thank you, Father.
Father, as we're at this altar, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. We thank you, Father, that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we, we come before you because, Lord, we want to stay the course and cleave to you in the midst of our pruning, in the midst of our changes, in the midst of our emotional up and downs, Lord. We want to stay steady through this process. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here today. I don't know what situations they're going through, but I thank you, Lord, that out of it will come the fruit of your character. There will be more love. There will be more peace. There will be more goodness. There will be more kindness. There will be more joy. There will be more gentleness. There will be because, God, you are at work in our lives. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise and honor you. And we give you the glory for ever you are doing. We can't do it on our own. So, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Could you just lift up your voice and say, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. As you're standing at this altar, I want to give someone a chance to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Perhaps you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you were like me when I was a little boy, went through church, went to church, went through Sunday school, but never gave my life to Jesus Christ until I was 18 years old. I heard the word, I went to church, or maybe you have never gone to church, but God is here and he said, if you open up your heart, I'll come in and I'll live inside of you. I will walk with you. I will help you to become fruitful. If that's you today, would you lift your hand and say, would you pray for me? I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need Jesus Christ. You don't know Jesus, but you'd like to. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you're here, just raise your hand. Well, Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, we can't do this on our own. So may we, O oh Lord, depend upon you, but also, Lord, may we stay with the process. Praise you and honor you for what you would do, and thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, in Jesus' name. And let the people of God say amen and amen. God bless you.
I receive the blessing. God bless you. See you downstairs. Have a great week. Amen. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you, and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.